we're going to uh, deviate a little bit from our usual format and flow and that we're not going to uh, take a break. We'll say the break for the end and then you can hang out as long as you like um, given uh, the um, case with, the, with our AC units. Um, so before we get into the message, um, I just want to acknowledge a few uh, birthdays that I remember. I don't remember everyone's birthday. Um, even if I see it on Facebook, I, I, I may not remember that. But I do want to acknowledge a birthday that passed that did not, uh, we weren't allowed to, uh, given the opportunity to mention on last week, which was on last Saturday, not yesterday, but last Saturday, the 30th. Um, one of our founding members celebrated a milestone birthday of 80 years. So we want to acknowledge Rowena Fleshman, who we call Mike, and say uh, happy birthday. And I hope I'm not a, a month, I'm not a month early, right? It, it, was, it was July 30th, right? Not, okay, okay, good, good, good. Okay, all right, good, good job, man, good job. Okay, so happy belated birthday, Mike. Um, and uh, thank you for all you've done to invest in the church over these almost 50 years of our being in, in existence, these 48 years. So thank you very much. Um, we, we have another birthday coming up. I think two weeks from now we'll, we'll mention that one. Um, and hopefully some of the renovations will be complete. So our hallway, as you saw, is almost complete. Um, some of the classrooms are complete. Um, for those who are not members but who are either viewing via live stream or our guests. Uh, first of all, thank you for being here if you're in the house. Um, our AC unit is down, a, a young man's car flipped from Good Luck Road into our AC units and took out two of them. And so we, we do not have uh, air right now, so besides that. Um, so thank you for being here. Um, we're also undergoing the renovation of our building, which you see the hallway. If you go, if you use the bathroom, you'll see most of the hallway is is vinyl, uh, hardwood, um, and then some of it is concrete where the carpet was. So we're still in play there. You see our baseboards are not done yet, even though paint has happened in the hallway. So, um, so yeah, we're under renovation, and the renovations actually are <clears throat> they're kind they're a physical manifestation of a kind of spiritual and cultural reset for Solid Rock Church that Pastor Kurt and I are calling Solid Rock 3.0. Um, it's our desire that, that every one of our members access the maturity available to us all in the world, uh, available to us all from the Lord, that we would demonstrate it in the world and in our church. Um, so we, we capture this objective with this motto. The motto is be grown and own, right? And so if you're a member, you've heard that. So um, if we plan to have any success as a people, as a church in this endeavor, we must not only have a common language like the motto, be owned and grown, but we must have shared expectations, not of the church at large, but of ourselves. And we can begin to do that by considering what it means to be grown what it means to be grown. When I was, I think I was 18 years old. No, I was probably a little older. I was probably 19, 
No, I was 18. I was 18. I, I, I didn't know what to do as a vocation. School was a social context for me, and that's the way I carried it. I'm talking about high school, not college. So I knew I don't want to go to college because I don't think I'm going to excel there. So I went to the military. So everyone knows one of the things that's very common that, that's, that everyone does when they get in the military is they have a uniform. So I come home from, from being, I, I was a little older than 18. I must have been 20 or 21 um, because by this time I was stationed at Fort Myer, Virginia. So I could come to my mom's house where I grew up wearing my uniform because I just come from work. And as I uh, come from the metro station, I walk from the metro station, I come home, I see these little boys doing what we used to do when we were their size. They are playing, they're playing football in the parking lot. And one throws the football and it goes under a car. And they tell someone else, hey, go get the ball. And they're like, I don't see the ball. And he's like, the ball is right over there by that car over there, that car right there. And he's like, I don't see it. And he's like, right there by that man, that man right there. And then when I looked to see where the man was, they were talking about me. I was the man. Now, obviously, in my life, it's probably not obvious to you, but, but in my life, I thought I was the man, but I, I didn't think I was a man, right? I didn't think I was grown because I wasn't, someone else had to sort of affirm that I hadn't had the life experiences that I would say, you know what, I'm a, like at this point in life, obviously, I'm a full grown man. I understand that. Everyone else understands that. But what does it mean to be grown? How can we identify that within ourselves, those characteristics that culminate into someone really being grown? And spiritually speaking, that's even more important for us. It's more important because being grown, does it mean, does it mean in the, in the natural, does it mean that you're, that you're independent, that you can do what you want to do? My mom used to always say, when you're grown, you can do what you want to do. So is that what being grown means, doing what I want to do? Does being grown mean um, I have uh, enough financial stability to buy what I want to buy? I have the economic means to, to do what I want financially. Is that what being grown means? Maybe it means you have children. We know it doesn't mean that, though. That's not what it means to be grown. When we are grown, we have arrived at full growth or maturity. The dictionary says that we're an adult. But there are some characteristics that feed into someone being fully grown. And that is not just true in our natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. Hebrews 5.12 alludes to the fact that some people should have been teachers, but they weren't mature enough to be teachers because they still needed to be taught the basic principles of God's revelation. Again, they needed milk. They were not on solid food yet, so they needed to grow. They weren't fully grown yet because fully grown in this context that he's talking about in uh, Hebrews 5.12, it means that you're able to teach others. If anyone is familiar with, and we all should be, Mark chapter 4, which is uh, the parable of the sower, it talks about the seed being planted, but then it talks about, uh, about the reality that only one out of the four uh, contexts in which the seeds are planted matures into full growth. Others of them are either short-lived, 
they fall away or they're choked out. So even spiritually, there can be some signs of spiritual life, but there may not be the growth that is indicative of being grown. So what does it mean to be grown? Well, over the course of the next three weeks, with the help of 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11, we hope to unpack enough of what it means to be grown to evaluate and adjust ourselves and also to encourage and exhort each other. Before, on the 28th, we're going to close out Romans on that week. So let's look at 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which read, Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this reason, this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep, they will keep you rather, from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. I believe these verses will help us to look at three elements of being grown in the Lord that are necessary. First is that we would see ourselves for who we are in the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, verses 1 through 4. Then the next week, we'll look at verses 5 through 7, where we'll look at the reality that we need to add to our faith. And then we will look in closing at verses 8 through 11 on what it means to own, to embrace and act out on our responsibility in the church and in the world as God's people. Before we begin to focus on verses one through four, would you please bow your heads with me to pray? Father, thank you for this day which you have made. Thank you for the gift of life, the gift of song to be able to sing to you. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for having some knowledge of who you are. Surely we cannot know everything there is to know about you, but that which you allow us to know, we enjoy. And we thank you. We have tasted and seen that you are good. We pray that if there's anyone who would either come across this live stream or this post 
on our uh, website or who is here this morning who does not know you. Father, we pray that they would also see you, Lord, that this would be the day of salvation and that, that they would not harden their hearts. Would you make all of our hearts good ground to receive something from your word? Would you please cause me to decrease? And would you please increase, Lord? Would you please speak to your people through me? I pray that you would do that for your glory and for our good. And Lord, I pray that you would help us most of all to apply what we heard. For your word says that we should not be hearers only of your word because we'll deceive ourselves if we are not doers of the word that we hear. So give us a heart that will do and not just hear. Lord, would you do this by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this, the question that I would like for you to consider throughout is this question right here. Do you see what God sees? As it relates to you and your walk with God, Do you see what God sees? So by way of refresher, just look at chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 1, where Simon Peter, who is a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, says to regular believers in Christ, he says, he says he's addressing those who have received a faith that is equal to ours. Ours who? Who is ours? It's the apostles, Right? He's a servant and he's an apostle and he's talking to those who have received faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So do you see what God sees? Do you understand that your faith, the faith that you have, is equal to the faith of those who actually walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, questioned Jesus, if you think about Peter himself and you think about the woman with the issue of blood, right? And you think about, just think about a, a life in the day of those who walk with Jesus. The woman, we know she suffered all that she suffered. She comes to Jesus. She just touches his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? Peter's so familiar with Jesus. He's like, hey, Lord, there's all these people around you. What do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. So our faith is equal to the faith of someone who walked and talked with Jesus like that. There's nothing, there may even be a greater value to our faith, and we'll get to that in just a moment. One of the things about being grown is this. It wasn't just the little boys. I don't remember. I remember that vividly. But I also remember, and I don't remember it as vividly, because it's a culmination of one person's evaluation that I really appreciated in saying, okay, yeah, you, you're a man. And that was my mom. Because my mom saw me from the time I was born, right? So if she could be proud of me as a man, then I know I, I, must, I must be grown. So the evaluation of others, is, it isn't just, I do want to ask you, do you see what God sees? But I also want to ask you, as we make our way to that, uh, fleshing that out, what do others see of you? What do others see of you? See, the evaluation of others also comes into play. It, it comes into play in the natural. You have to be a certain age before you can vote, right? You have to be a certain age before you can buy alcohol. 
You have to be a certain age before you can buy tobacco. You have to be a certain age before you can drive. You have to be a certain age before you can sign legal paperwork. You have to be a certain age, even though sometimes it can be very young, to get married. All of these things are, are just a way of saying you got to be grown before you can do these things. You have to have some level of maturity before you can do these things. So Peter says that our faith is, is equal. The faith that we've received is equal to theirs. So as it relates to the Lord, do others, what, what, what do others say about you? Not do they say, hey, man, you've grown. But do they do, they do this? When it's time, when life comes in and they know they need prayer, do they come to you and ask you, can you pray for them? See, whether they, they're not using the words like, hey, man, you grown, but they're showing you that they think you grown. They think you can, like, get a prayer up to God. Or are they coming to you, telling you how you should pray for other people? Hey, man, you know what, man? You should really pray for Mike, man, because such and such and such. They're also making a statement about you. That kind of prayer is like, can be like sanctified gossip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, really pray for him, man. That brother, such and such and such. I'm sure we've all experienced that. Now, we have one, one of two ways we can handle that. Um, we can kind of sort of correct people gently. Or we can just receive it. Or we can just receive it. Receive it meaning like we just let them... We just give them a pass, and they just said, and it's like, it's all right, yeah, man. You can come to me and let me know who I, You can come to me all the time and let me know who I should pray for. Right? That can be our attitude. That can be what people pick up from us. But instead of that, what we want people to say through their actions toward us, when they're asking us, can we pray, or when they're saying, hey, can I, can, can I get your advice? They're saying that you have some, some measure of wisdom at which your, what you have to add, that perspective is going to help them. So people say stuff to us to validate how grown they think we are all the time. Yes, we have to read between the lines because nobody, I don't even come up to our members and say, hey, man, you're like, you're really grown in the Lord. I, Kurt does. We don't do that. That's not how, how we, how we, that's not how we, how we operate. But what do people see? in you? What do people see in me? Because it's not just what I think about myself. Even though for us as a church, I do think what we think about ourselves can be of the utmost importance. But I, I know of people, I know of people who in, in my life that I've seen who thought they were grown but they weren't as grown as they thought they were. Our faith, though, according to Peter, it is of equal value. It's of, it's, it's, it's of equal content. It's, there's nothing smaller about our faith than theirs. 
we have received a faith that is equal to the faith of the apostles, to the ones who did the mighty things we see in scripture. Our faith is equal to theirs. Your faith is equal to theirs. Part of what it means to be grown is to know the value of your faith. And the value of your faith is not how loud you can get. It's not how many, how often you come to church. It's not even how much you, you read your Bible because unbelievers can read the Bible for academic purposes and still not have faith. So we're talking about faith whose object is Jesus Christ, not just faith. Many people in our society have faith, but their faith is not in Jesus Christ. That kind of faith is not, a, is not equal. That faith is not something that's received by the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, Peter's talking to individuals who have believed in Jesus Christ. And if individuals believe in Jesus Christ, the DNA or the makeup of their faith is the same as the apostles' faith. The stuff or the ingredients that, that feed into making their faith what it is um, begins with the object of our faith which shapes the expression of our faith. So the expression of our faith may look different because the context in which we live is different than the context in which they live. But mind you, we're still living in a world that, 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 that has the prince of the power of the air, that, 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 that there's a worldly system that is against God. So our faith will find and must find expression within our world and within the church. And that faith, because of who the object is, it's of equal value as the faith of the apostles. Do you think of your faith in that way? Hey, I don't always think of my faith in that way. I'm just going to let you know. Not all the time, no. And I'm sure that there were times when the apostles didn't see their faith in the same way that we read the scriptures and say, oh, wow, look at that. I'm sure they didn't as well. But the, but, the, but the fact of the matter is we see where their faith led them. We see that they were willing to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. We see that they were willing to, to, to celebrate Paul, excuse me, not Paul, but Peter and John are willing to celebrate and rejoice in the fact that they, they, they have been counted worthy to suffer on account of Jesus Man, being here right now, hey, man, I appreciate the fans for the few people who have. I'm talking about the hand fans because it's reminding me of when I grew up. Grew up in a small church, had a window unit AC joint, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that joint didn't always work, so everybody had fans. And if you didn't have a fan, if you had a bulletin, that joint became a fan, right? You know what I'm saying? That joint became a fan, so you just you needed something to just make the air move a little bit just to get a little bit of relief. But this isn't suffering for Jesus. On my way here, I drove past, I, I, I drive past a field, uh, a few schools. One of them is a field where dudes play soccer all the time. That joint was filling up on my way here. And it wasn't filling up like they were already playing. Now they, they had chairs. So they were waiting for people to come. And, and we know it's just, it's going to get hotter, Right? But do they care? Nah, man, they don't care. Why? Because they want to play soccer, right? 
You know, so, so this, this is not suffering for the, if they could do that, like this joint is not suffering for the Lord, right? No, it's not. Let's put key things into perspective. But when we think about the apostles, when we think about them saying, being brought before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin said, hey, you cannot preach in that name. And then like, hey, look, look, whether it's right, you can judge for yourself whether it's right for us to obey God or man. Hence, you know, uh, uh, rhetorical, of course, like we're going to still preach in the name. Sorry. Right. That, that, that's suffering for Jesus. That right there. Not coming in here in this nice building that's becoming nicer because of the renovations, uh, even though it's on its way to niceness. Um, that, that's not that's not suffering. Man, we have a fan. We, have, we do at least have a fan. We have something moving around. Right. And everybody's not here. So that, that that's another a, a relief factor. Right. But that, that faith that will embrace suffering for Christ, that's in you. That's in me. And it's not in us because we've done something good. It's in us as the passage says. He says, you have received, right? So it's a gift. It's been given to us, right? The same faith that was given to them has been given to us. So it's not just, oh, I've read my Bible. I read through my Bible uh, 20 times in life. And so, yeah, something came from on high. And like, now I have faith that's equal to the apostles. No. From the beginning, when you receive the faith that the Lord offers you, you receive faith that's equal to the apostles. Now, that faith has to, be, it has to be nurtured. Things have to be added to it, as we'll talk about next week. But that faith is, this, is, of, is equal to their faith. And just, so any, just in case, I know that there are people, there are people who are not, and praise God for you, there are people who are not like me. I can, like, I can distinguish, like, okay, I was, that's when I got saved, that day. Or that's the day I think I got saved. Because there was a dramatic change. Some people have grown up in the church. Or some people may not think about the supernatural element to their faith. But I just want to remind you of what scripture says, just so you can think about it from God's perspective. In Romans 2, 4, now, now this, this is talking to people who are judging other people, but just, 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 just stick with me. So it's just, that verse just says, or do you despise the riches and kindness, restraint and patience, meaning of God, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So if you or I have repented, which those of us who are in Christ have, if you've ever like been in a caravan of cars going somewhere, there's one vehicle that's the leader, right? So being led is not like all by yourself, right? Being led is following someone else. And in this passage, it says that, that it's, the, it's the kindness of God that's led us to repentance. So it's not just like we find, oh, yeah, man, here, here's that faith right there. No, 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 you, you, you were led in your life. I was led in my life. I can look back and see how I was led. Who was leading me? Well, it could have looked like my mom taking me to church. It could have looked like this or like that. But still, my mom taking me to church. I sat in church and not even listened. My mom could be on a party. My mom, I'm tired. I've sat in church and done that. My mom could be on, what am I going to do after this? My mom could be on like, oh, I'm going to go outside and play when we were real little. Go outside and play once we get home. Your mind can be anywhere. So just being in church does not 
mean that you have the faith that's, that's the faith of salvation. No, you have to be led to repentance. And then look at what it says in 2 Timothy 2, uh, 24 and 26, um, through 26, excuse me. It talks about the Lord's servant, how he must not, they must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Then look at this. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The point is that it's salvation is of God's work, that faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 3 through 5 say it like this. We all too previously walked in them, walked, walked, lived among them, excuse me, in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children of under wrath as the others were also. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. And that faith that we have, that we have through grace is of equal value as those who were like, what do you mean who touched you? There's so many people around you. I mentioned earlier as an aside that it's possible, our faith definitely has a different element than the apostles. You remember, I'm sure, we have to remember, when Jesus rose from the dead and some of his disciples saw him, all of them but one. Most of us know that it was Thomas because we have a label that we label people with now called Doubting Thomas, who did not believe (laughs) that Jesus was risen from the dead because he didn't see them. So even though all of his buddies are like, hey, we saw him, we saw him. He couldn't embrace it because he didn't see it himself. So he said, you know what? Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And so Jesus, knowing all things, he appears to Thomas and addresses him in concert and correspondence with the exact words that Thomas speaks to his friends. And then Thomas, because of that, he submits. He's like, oh, man, I, I, I believe. And Jesus says this to him in John 20, 29. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Peter would go on in his book, the first first letter he wrote to say this in the first chapter in the eighth verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though Not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Our faith, dear ones, is equal to that of the apostles. Why? Because it's not based on us. It's based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And therefore, our faith is of equal value. Embracing the reality that our faith is of equal value as the apostles' faith, I think it's part of being grown. I think it's definitely part of, do you see what God sees? God sees 
what, now he has a different plan for us than the apostles that, that, that are in Scripture. He has a different plan for us. We're, our context is different. This isn't the first century. We're not writing Scripture, right? We're not, there are things we're not doing that's the exact same as what they were doing. But that doesn't matter. They represented the Lord in a very uh, uh, particular way in their generation. And all of us, no matter who we are, are called to do that while we're here. That's what we're called to do. So do you see a, a purpose for your life that exceeds just what you want? That exceeds like what it means for me to have the American dream. I'm inundated with what that means. Commercials are telling me what that means. There may be pressure from family to do some of the things that that, that means to, 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 to embody some of that, right? There may be pressure on, on myself to have a certain kind of car or live in a certain kind of house or to make a certain amount of money or to have a certain level of education or you can fill in the blank, right? And th there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But do you consider, do I consider how God sees me and his expectations for me and his purpose for me and the opportunities he puts in my path that may not be American dreamish and I don't have the commercials and I come to church once a week and I go to D group sometimes or I, like, do we have the things that the, 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 the ingredients that help us to think of our faith as equal to the apostles. If we would, we probably won't have to put in a little bit of work. If you listened just to what I said moments ago, we're just, we can just live life and be inundated with what it means to pursue the American dream. And we can live life. I was praying for my Grandchildren and children, I think it was this morning. And it is the, the, the avenue or the context, the pathway, the, the, the communication about the Lord and his ways in the United States is shrinking, right? People who even consider themselves religious, shrinking, right? Uh, even people who are religious, we're not even talking about saved, just religious all of them are not talking about the Lord, right? So on the one hand, we have this, we're not even pursuing hearing about this, and we're hearing about it. You know, if you, if you go at, 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 um, at Parkdale High School or one of the high schools, they're changing now, but like for the last uh, maybe eight, maybe more than this, but eight years at least, there has been this continual push to move to, to, to like funnels children to colleges. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with going to college. But not every student is going to college. So then do the students who don't go to college, should they feel any type of stigma? No, they shouldn't feel any type of stigma. Stigma because there are other things to do, right? There are other, but, but if you're inundated with college, 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 then you can think that if you don't go to college, then you fail. And, and, and that's, not true. So we, we're not inundated with, I mean, we, we, we're grown in some ways, right? We're grown. So we're, we're not thinking about college like that. Um, we're already either in college or we, those days we finished college or those days are just, um, we're, we're not young. So we're not like thinking that that defines us. But yet, 
we are in a place where we don't hear about the ways of the Lord in the same way as others have. So we're going to definitely have to put in work. And as I said, we'll, we'll look at that next week, but we'll move along through to the next verse, verse 2. and verses. We're just going to quickly move through verses 2 through 4. Um, but just the, the main thing from, from the first verse, just remember that your faith is of equal value. The faith you've received is equal to that which the apostles received. Because that has implications. So he says who's, who he's addressing it to. Then he gives the, 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 the normal greeting that, you know, Paul gives and he himself gives here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these... He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, having, uh, excuse me, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So I'm not, I'm, this, this verse, these two, well, three verses, um, the last two are the ones that, that stood out to me for, for our purposes. Um, first of all, we have everything we need for this life and to live a godly life in the midst of this life. We lack nothing to live in a way that pleases God and that um, causes us to have spiritual Godward success in this world. We have everything we need. Um, the, the calling that we have from him, um, it, it's, it's because it's for, his, it's for his glory. And I could find no other, I, I, I could share words, but I think this passage in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, just do a much better job than anything I could ever articulate to, to, to sort of give us a picture of, of what's going on here. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Do you think of yourself that way, that I have every spiritual blessing in heaven and because I'm in Christ? Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. So God chooses you. The, the fact that God would choose any of us to be blameless before him, like we're talking about God who doesn't forget anything. I mean, I know what the passage says. I don't think that means he has amnesia when it talks about God, you know, like not counting our sins. Because, you know, it's, it's not he doesn't have amnesia. He's choosing not to bring that up. He's choosing to act as if it had never happened at all in your life, in my life. He's choosing to do that. He's choosing to act as if I've never said anything wrong to my wife. He's choosing to act as if I don't get mad, real mad, when people cut me off in traffic. He's choosing to, 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 to be all right with me having to bring thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He's choosing to do these things. It's not that I don't do them, but 
But what does the, again, what, do you see what God sees? For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. To be holy and blameless in love before him. So it's not that he's in a different room. It's not that he's somewhere else. It's not that we're somewhere else. But we're before him. Before him. Before him. Darren is counted as blameless. Before him, Karen is counted as blameless. Who else rhyme name match with Darren here? No, no. <laughs> but we're blameless before the Lord. So I was thinking about this the other day. The passage in Hebrews that talks about how, how we can come before his throne of grace boldly in our time of need. Like, man, who's going somewhere in their need like bold? You know what I'm saying? You like, okay, yeah, you go boldly before his throne of grace. Yeah, I really need something. Look, man, this is what you need to do for me. Like, who, who does that, right? If you come to me like that, I'm going to take note of like, oh, they don't really, they must not need anything. Like, they're not like walking with a limp. Up. Hey, man, you know, I was hoping that. They're not, they're not no. Hey, I, but before God, because of Jesus, even when we're in need, we can come boldly. That's crazy to me. That we can come boldly when we need, from a position of weakness, we can come boldly. But we can. How do we know? Because the scripture says it. That's how we know. Do we see what God sees? He predestined us, verse 5, as a, a, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved. So our very, our being, our being in Christ and our ability to, to as, as the verse uh, 4 says to, um, of 2 Peter uh, 1, to partake of the d- divine nature that glorifies God. It gives praise to his glorious grace that he lavished on us for us to do his will. Do you think of yourself that way? Do you think of yourself that, you know what, today I get to be pleasing to God in everything I do? Now, I know, I understand. You get to say in your mind, somebody's going to say, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand that. I understand that's how you see yourself. I see myself that way, too. That's a dynamic of how I see myself. But despite that, I also see what God says about me. Right? I, I see what God says about me as well. I see God's purpose for me being in Christ and it is not just to it is not just to go to heaven it's not just that no it's 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 not just that it's not just see it's not just that because because like if 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 we go all the way back to the the first man Adam if we go all the way back to him Genesis 1 28 says this God blessed them And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature 
that crawls on the earth. There's an assignment that's been given to humanity to subdue things for the glory of God. Right. That that's that's what human beings are supposed to do. That obviously got messed up in the fall. Hey, it got messed up, man. But it got redeemed in Christ. So those who are in Christ are able to subdue for his purposes. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's happening through God's people or it's supposed to be happening through God's people. But we have to see ourselves in that way in order to even pursue things in that way. Because as we said, there's no help in the world for us except the Holy Spirit. But do you see yourself as God sees you? That you are, as scripture says, his ambassadors. That even as Paul said about himself um, to the Corinthians, that God makes his appeal to people through you. That when you even do something as, as common as giving someone a cup of water, that that can mean, that can be a demonstration of the Lord himself. In his book, Rediscovering Jesus, Matthew Kelly opens with a prologue, and the prologue is short, and it's this, here's the way it goes. And it, it was the biggest meeting of Paul's life. It had gone well. He couldn't wait to tell his wife and his boss. As he rushed out of the Brooklyn office building to the rest of the team, with the rest of the team, he noticed a vacant cab, a rare sight during rush hour. Eager to get to the airport to catch their flight, they bolted toward the cab, yelling to the drivers, yelling for the driver's attention. As they made their way across the sidewalk, they inadvertently knocked down a small produce stand. The rest of the team seemed oblivious and until Paul stopped and turned to go back. From beside the taxi, the others called, called out to Paul, come on, you'll miss your flight. Go ahead without me, Paul replied as he made his way back across the street to the sidewalk covered in produce. At that moment, he noticed, he realized that the woman who had been, who had been behind the produce stand was blind. She, she was just standing there crying softly with tears running down her face. It's okay. It's okay, Paul said to her as he got down on his hand and knees and began picking up the fruit and vegetables. There were, there were 100 people passing in each direction, but nobody else stopped to help. They just scurried off to wherever they were going. When the fruit was all back up on the stand, Paul be, uh, began neatly organizing it, setting aside anything that was spoiled. Now he turned to the woman and said, are you okay? She nodded through her tears. Then reaching for his wallet, he took out some bills and passed them to the woman saying, this money should cover the damages. With that, Paul turned away. Paul turned and began walking away. Mister, the woman called after him. Paul paused and turned around. Are you Jesus? Oh, no, he replied. The woman nodded and continued. I only asked because I prayed to Jesus to help me as I heard my fruit falling all over the sidewalk. Paul turned to leave again. Only now his eyes began to fill with tears. 
A long time he for a long time he wandered around looking for a taxi. After finally finding one, he sat in bumper to bumper traffic all the way to the airport. He had missed his flight. And because it was Friday, all the other flights were were full. Paul spent the night in a hotel by the airport. This gave him time to think. He couldn't get one question out of his head. And I submit that question for us. When was the last time someone confused you for Jesus? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see that he has given us the assignment to allow the will of heaven to be done on earth and to make sure that the, the, the mode of communication from God to human beings is happening not just through our words, but through our actions as well, through you each and every day, wherever your world is, especially in the church, not only in the church, but especially in the church. That's what it means to be grown, to see myself as part of God's plan and just to help us to, to see a little bit of how we can not see things from the perspective that God sees things, I would offer to you um, the old, the, the, uh, a person in the Bible um, who should not be emulated in any way, shape, or form. But I'll set him up by saying we all know the story of the prodigal son, how he demanded what was his from his father. He went and he, he wasted it all. He came back at some point after coming to himself and his father throws his big party for him. We know that he had a brother who was also uh, with him who stayed with his father. He was originally with the, the younger uh, brother at the beginning of the story. Um, this older brother was out working in the field when the party was being thrown for the younger brother upon his return. The older brother response is where we'll pick up in verse 25 of Luke 15. Now his older brother was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry, he being the older brother, and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But, his, but he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Look at, what the, look at the father's response. Son, he said to him, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because your, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father again, verse 31, son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You see how what the father thinks of his oldest son is different than what the oldest son thinks of himself. He thinks of himself as slaving for his father, not participating with his father. And some of us may think we're slaving for the Lord instead of 
co-laboring with him or we think that we have to sacrifice so much for him that we don't see all that we benefit from him about. We see ourselves as the older brother and we see ourselves as not getting what we should have. But God says this to us. This is why it's there. It's there. Remember, this is here to show the, 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 those who were complaining about Jesus um, what the father's heart is. The father's heart is you're with me and everything I have is yours. Do you think about God that way that he think he feels like everything he has is yours. Everything you need, I'm going to give it to you so that you can be successful for me. Do you think of yourself that way? You must see yourself. We must see ourselves that way if we're going to be grown. Like I said, I know now in the natural, I'm a full grown man. I have respect from who I will demand, not in a simple way, but I will demand respect from other people. I'm, I call people ma'am, sir, all of that. I'm not disrespectful to anybody, but I know who I am. Do we know who we are in the Lord? Do we know who we are? Not just to overcome sin. Yes, that. Yes, that. The end of verse 4 of 2 Peter 1, it talks about, you know, that we partake of the divine nature. Um, escaping the corruption that is in the world through evil desires, right? So, so, so yes, that. But after that, then what? You're still here. You're here. We're here to have impact. And we will never be the force in the world that we're supposed to be. And I'm not, I'm not one of the people who believes that everything is going to get better if the church does this, that, the other. The world is going in a direction that it's going in. But despite the direction that the world goes in, as, the, as you know, we're talking about being back in, the, in my old church, I remember um, uh, one deacon would always say that God will not leave himself without witness. So regardless of what the world is doing, May the witness of God move forward through each and every one of us individually. It begins with knowing who we are in the Lord. It begins with like, yes, we partake of the divine nature. We know we're not perfect, but we still, there's still something about us that in the end, we know that in the end, the only one who will be standing is Jesus. And we know, at least theologically, that we are in him, which means we're standing as well. Because we're in him. We're not standing because we're Mike or we're whoever, you, what your name is. We're standing because we're in him. Being grown begins with knowing who we are in Christ. It begins with seeing what God sees and striving for what he says about us. Not redefining what he says about us based on our experience. We must, when we fail, when it looks like we look different than what God's word says, we must press into how do we access what God says about us. You do that by asking people who look like they, they look grown. Like usually you can, you, you, it's, it's ironic to me how you can tell a lot about people without even having many words. So, so you get some words, but their vocabulary can usually tell you like how educated they are. Um, I'm in spaces where there are a lot of well-educated people. My education comes from one place. It's not the university. 
Okay, it's not the university, and I'm not going to be deep and say it's God. I'm not done. That, that joint comes from, <laughs> it comes from Prince George's County, Maryland. That's where it comes. It's watching people, my, my, my family. That's where it comes from for me. That's for me. That's where it comes from. So I, but so I can tell. Oh, yeah, man, he, he used that word. Hey, that's a nice word <laughs> right there in that sentence right there, man. I, I'm going to have to pay attention to that. But I don't have time to really pay attention to make it my own, so I just do, do what I do. Cause, so I'm in that space for a purpose as well. I'm with them for a purpose. But, but and my point was this, though, that usually you can tell something about people if you look at them long enough. You, you can what kind of car they drive, how they dress. You know, you, you, you can... You may be wrong. You may not be like 100%. But you usually can tell a little something about people that way. So if we're trying to figure out, like, how do I, you fill in the blank. How do I raise, how do I parent? And you look for people who seem like they did a good job, and you ask them, right? How do I grow in prayer? You hear somebody who talks about prayer all the time and say, hey, no, how do you talk about prayer? You know, how do you get to the point where you pray that often, or you, um, or, or or that you're bold enough to ask anybody, like, hey, let me pray for you. How, how, I'm not there. How, tell me. So that, that that's how we get there. We 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 look at people in the church, and if we see someone who has what we have, we need to remember that the gifts come from God. They don't belong to any of us. Uh, they come from God. So they they are, if we have any of them, they're ours to share first with the church and then with the world. But it all begins, in my mind, it begins with how you see yourself. So do you see what God sees? I pray that you do. And I'm just going to pray right now. And then after I pray, if you need a communion supply, please get it. And I'll have um, um, maybe one announcement and then if there, if there are questions, we'll take those. And if not, we'll have the, the band come up to uh, sing one, sing, close us out in a song. But, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the – we thank you for the privilege that it is to be your sons and daughters. We thank you that you give us a family likeness and allow us to partake of the divine nature we thank you that our faith, the faith that we received, that we've received is equal to that which the apostles had. We thank you that it is no less. We thank you that we are those that you spoke of who are blessed because we hadn't seen you in person, but we believe in you. We thank you for these things. And Lord, we are aware that we don't have this blessedness to hoard for ourselves, but we are to demonstrate our faith in you by how we engage with the world, how we engage with each other first, and how we engage with the world around us. We pray that the aroma of Christ would flow from us in great measure that people would, as the blind woman did, the man Paul in the story, mistake us for Jesus. Or at the very least, what Paul and John did was that 
the people who were persecuted them, they took note that they had been with you, Lord Jesus. May it be obvious that we've been with you. May it be obvious that we're your people in this world. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. So the one uh, thing that I wanted to, uh, to mention, and I thought it would come out in, in a sermon, that, but it didn't. This is a, a, an announcement. So we have our, uh, as I mentioned that we are uh, getting ready to have Solid, Solid Rock 3.0 in play. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are an individual who wants to uh, lead a core group, please email Kurt and me. So just you can send it to, you just, just put us both, um, just address it to us both, and just let us know what you would like to do. Um, if you have resources that you are using, please include what the resource is um, to us. And in September, uh, we'll get back with you and let you know what the process is from there. But the first step is for you, if you want to lead a core group, to email us so that we know there's a desire, we understand what the subject is. We would like to know also whether you're going to lead that um, uh, four weeks or two weeks out of the month. Um, and um, we want to know any uh, helps that you're using. Um, we, we need to know that. So uh, we'll, depending on how many we have, uh, people we have that are uh, desirous of that, uh, that are up for that, we may not have everyone operate in the first in the first phase, but you may end up uh, doing your your core group in the second phase. But first, the first step is email us. Even if you talk to us already, please email us um, with that information. This announcement will be followed up with an email. I don't expect you to remember everything that that, that I've said just now because you've been listening for a while already, but. I wanted to throw that out there, whatever you got, you got now, but then I will follow it up with an email for those who are uh, members of The Rock. Um, all right, um, so um, it looks like we have a few questions, or at least one question, so uh, Courtney. And I just wanna thank Courtney um, for doing the questions for us uh, this, this morning, this, it's still morning, yeah. So the first question, Excuse me. it never occurred to me that my faith is equal to the apostles. I often feel inferior to the apostles, to the apostles. Can you give us scriptures that tell us how God views us or who we are in Christ to help us reorient our thinking? Well, I think, uh, thank you, whoever that is for um, your humility and just saying how you, you know, view yourself um, and what you hadn't thought of, you know, as it relates to your faith being of equal to that of the apostles. I really believe that <clears throat> the book of Ephesians is just a wonderful book to just help people embrace or see what God has to say about them. I mean, at first, the first three chapters are just going to tell you a lot about, like, you know, what it theologically what's happened in your life. Um, and so I would, I would encourage you to read that. I, I, I actually got this from, from a movie I saw, um, but, but you know, I, I'm not ashamed uh, to say this, but, uh, but if you read through the book of Ephesians, have a journal or some, some or a notebook or somewhere where you, you can keep everything together. So everything that it says about you 
in that book, write down everything that it says about you. So we, we read verses 3 through 5. Okay, so that says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Okay, that's, there you go. That's, that's one thing right there. That's, that's really a few things. But so if it were me writing this down, I'd be like, okay, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. That's one thing. But then I also see that, well, I'll do a, we'll use the fourth verse for that. Verse four, he chose us in him. So he chose me. I will write that down. In him, I'm in him. I will write that down. Before the foundation of the world. I will write that little detail down too. Just so I know that God had me in mind before my parents even were, were even knew each other, right? Um, to be holy and blameless in love before him. I will write that down. That's what he's, I will write that down. That's for me. Okay, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. Okay, all right. Yeah, I will write down that I've been predestined. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I misread that. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. So I've been adopted would be something else I would write down about myself. Um, adopted as, as, as a child um, to him. And then it uh, closes out that verse. It says, it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. So um, I will write that down. I've been this according to the good pleasure of his will. And then I would just read, I would read that to myself till I just got it. Till it, we sang a song that says, we'll sing the words till we, till we, like, till we get it, right? I will read this until it became part of what I thought about myself. Why? Because I want to think that about myself? Yes. But why do I want to think that about myself? I want to think that about myself because that's what God says about me. So there we go. So it's not just about I want to feel good about me, but it's like, no, I want to view myself as the person is asking, as God views me. I want to view myself um, in, in that way. Um, so I hope that that helps. I think that's that would be an exercise that I would do. And I wouldn't just restrict that to Ephesians. I, I would say anywhere in Scripture where you find a, a verse that reminds you of who you are in Christ, um, then I would I would I would I would definitely, um, you know, I would chronicle that. I would write it down somewhere, and I would just rehearse that this is what God says about me so that whenever I'm saying something different, because inevitably we will say something different, um, that, you know what, I can look back at that, not having to search all of the scriptures, but I can go to that little journal and I can read those entries. And I, I'll just say this about, uh, uh, I'll give you one more passage, and that's uh, Romans 8. Romans 8 is another good one, again, to use in the same way. Uh, one verse from that, that that I would go to that I thought about in preparing is uh, 8.32, where it says he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So the fact that God would give up his son for us, for me, that would be something that I would I would just, like that means something to me, that God would give up his son uh, to be crucified for me. Um, so... Um, and then um, uh, it says, it closes out, um, how will he not also with him grant us everything? So there's that, that uh, ultimate language again, which obviously the context of that probably is going to look different than what we want, but it definitely includes what we need. Last question. Where in scripture does it say we are Christ's ambassadors? Oh, that's in uh, 2 Corinthians 
chapter five, roundabout. That's going to be between 17 and 21. So. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, actually it says uh, in verse 20, uh, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. So there's, that's where you can find that, that passage where it talks about us being his ambassadors. All right, so. Sorry, I have one more. I'm sorry. They, they too late. All right, we're going to go ahead and take. No, no, no. This one is um, piggybacking off of the first question. It says, I've been struggling with seeing myself this way for a while now. How can you help yourself be convinced of this? And is my salvation based on whether I believe this about myself? That's a great question. Can you read the question again, though? Please. I've been struggling with, with seeing myself this way for a while now. How can, you, how can you help yourself be convinced of this and is my salvation based on whether I believe this about myself? Yeah, I, I now see why I should read it. That that that's a very complex question. Um, so I'll just <clears throat> say this: in terms of helping yourself think about yourself the way God thinks of you, the way script what Scripture says about you. It has to be about that. It has to be not about how I feel, not about how I interpret. Now, now I would let me caveat this. Now, if we feel that way, and I'm not saying that the person who asked this question feels this way, but whenever you're answering a question before people, you, you, you're answering a question for more than that person, right? So, if there is like unrepentant sin and things like that, there may be there could be reasons for which people see themselves the way they do. Um, so, if that's if it's the case where people are you know, struggling because there are inconsistencies in their own life, then get help with the inconsistencies, right? Um, you know, so get help with that. And I'd say you get help with that by pursuing mature uh, believers to uh, help counsel you with that and to be able to have dialogue like we're sort of having right now, right? Um, if, and, and both Kurt and I are available to help in that, in that, uh, in that regard. So please uh, don't think we're too busy or don't, um, or don't be like shamed in any way. Um, the fact that you're even coming to us makes a statement about what you, what your intent is, right? Your intent is to grow. Okay, but um, having given that caveat, I, for myself, excuse me, for myself, I would remember what's, so, so all of this is like a, it's a mosaic, right? It's a, it's a puzzle. It's, you're putting pieces together. So the first thing I would remember is that God is not a man that he should lie. That's the very, the first thing for me is the character of God. What is God like? Okay, so if God is who he is, and human beings are who they are, including beginning with me, that even despite me knowing who I am in Christ, and, you know, this is me giving an example. I'm not talking to any, about anyone else's uh, struggles or whatever, but there are times where I, I don't do the things I know I should do. I'm not talking about something, you know, crazy that would, you know, that that's wild. Um, but there might be ways in which I'm inconsistent. 
not again, not in a way that would disqualify me from ministry or anything, nothing like that. But um, you see people, humanity, humanity, regardless of who they are, not follow through on things they say they will do. Even when they mean what they say, they just don't always do what they say they're going to do. Something comes up, this, that. Okay, that's who we are. So that was would be something I would like help myself with. Like humanity is dust. That's how I view myself apart from Christ. I would view myself apart from Christ as there's no good thing. And all, all those things I would remember about humanity. Then I would combine what my, what my evaluation of humanity is with my evaluation of God. So God is not a man that he should lie. Humanity is fickle at best. Okay, so if I believe something different than what God says, then for me, like whose word should I believe would be how I would, how I would deal with my own mind. And, and, and that's why something like the journaling would help me because I would, remember we were talking about the American dream? Well, the journal would be my way of being intentional to make sure that I'm getting God's dream for me in my mind. Not the, it would be like, okay, yeah, but I this, but I that. You, but, nope, my mom used to say this. I'm sure somebody else's mom said this. I heard it from her first, so to me she made it up. No ifs, ands, or buts. I know your mom made that growing up too. I understand. Right? No, if you got to do something, you have to do it. So, no ifs, ands, and buts about what God says. God said it. There used to be a bumper sticker that said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The, the middle part can be taken out, really. God said it. That really settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe it. So, if, if this person, whoever you are, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have to believe what God's word says about people who believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, then you must believe what God says about you. You must. And you have to remember where accusations come from. Where do the accusations come from as it relates to believers in Christ? It comes from the accuser of the brethren who accuses night and day, right? That's, that's satanic. So, they're, they're, so they're, they're, there's that. So we have to... That's something we have. We definitely have to contend with, but we must be intentional. And, and next week, hopefully, we'll talk more about like what it means to to add things to our faith, so that we can have confidence that you know what. Yeah, I, I see myself this way, but I also feel myself this way. So I talked about my mom's evaluation of me. It's like, oh yeah, um, I appreciate the evaluation, but like at this stage, I, I know I'm a full grown man. I, I know it because of experience my experience lines up with what that uh you know what the nomenclature for like grown means it's like okay yeah yeah, okay yeah i know that so i think uh, the person has to look at god's objective word to evaluate you know what what how they're thinking and why they're thinking what they're thinking but if you believe in jesus we we have to remember the heart of god right and one of the ways in which we see the heart of God is when he comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, comes down the hill, his disciples can't cast out this demon out of this boy. He tells the father, if you believe, then I can do it. And what does the man say? He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. So remember the heart of God is not to be like, hey, you don't believe? Get out of here. Remember, Peter, uh, not Peter and John, but uh, James and John wanted to call down fire. Nope, that's not what spirit you're of. So the Lord is for us. He's not against us. So if you're in Christ, 
um, please avail yourself. If, you're, if your struggles are that way, please avail yourself of myself or Kurt or your brothers and sisters that, or sisters that are in your D group um, or in your family who know the Lord. Um, but go after that by being intentional to make up that list and then remind yourself that this is what God says about me, regardless of what I do. And in, in, in any way in which I'm inconsistent, I'm going to bring that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forsake that and I'm going to be consistent with the Lord. So that would be how I would answer that person. The reason we can do that is because our salvation is not just based on our belief. And the band, you can come up uh, now, please. Um, but um, uh, it's based on the sacrifice of the Lord. Remember that our faith being of equal value as that of the apostles is because of what Christ has done. So we just want to sing that last song before we leave. The last song that we were singing, we're going to sing that on our way out. It's the righteousness of Christ that ultimately saves us. So if you struggle with, like, yourself, that's cool. But just remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that God, in that, in that uh, Romans 8, 32, that God gave up his son for you, right? Remember that if God is for you, no one can be against you. And he demonstrates that in the reality that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So in light of his death for us and in light of all that he gives us as a result of being in him, we're going to